What does it take to be a top performing entrepreneur? Welcome to Inspiring Business Success, a podcast sponsored by Insperity, where we'll explore areas of entrepreneurial success and extraordinary professional performance. There is an abundance of good performers, but what about exceptional performance? This season, we will be exploring the defining characteristics of exceptional performers in business and in life. Inspiring Business Success is sponsored by Insperity. Insperity provides human resources solutions that make a difference in the success equation for the best small and medium-sized businesses. If you want to know more, go to insperity.com. Are you ready to reach new heights in your performance? Let's go to the studio now with Larry Schaefer, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Insperity, Dr. David Cook, author, speaker, and well-known sports psychologist, and Doug Tatum, author, professor, and entrepreneur. Now we're going to move into an area that, you know, I guess it's, it's almost a little bit surprising to me, David, that this would be such a key principle, especially for professional athletes that, you know, make millions of dollars. Does this next principle of passion really matter? What, what principle am I referring to? You know, this, is, this goes back to um, being a kid. Passion is fueled by fun. If, if we're not enjoying what we do, if we have no joy in what we do, if we have no, like, get up in the morning excited about what we do, then it becomes mundane and it becomes, it becomes work. We want to create a situation where people really enjoy what they do. You know, I think of a company like Southwest Airlines, it's like, they seem to enjoy coming to they, work. They you seem know? to have fun, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they, you know, give you peanuts and, you, you know, you don't have an assigned seat and, you know, you get there and, wow, that was kind of fun. So there, there's this idea of fun is hugely important to the passion, inspiration, motivation of an individual when they come to work. So when I was going through my doctoral program, I also was the, the, the head coach of a football team in Virginia. I got my degree at the University of Virginia. And uh, so I was a head football coach of a private school. So it's not like, you know, a big 6A school in some other state. It was a little different there. They, they live for lacrosse and football is sort of a, a side thing. But nevertheless, I was the coach and I had come from Texas. And so the interesting thing about this little private school is that for whatever reason, they, they kept scheduling these 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 schools up in the mountain, these preparatory schools up in the mountain, these military schools where basically a, a senior was sent for a, an extra year or their senior year that was really a really a preparation for them to go play major college sport uh, and specifically football. So really good players went there to really kind of get them their grades together and their discipline and their character and everything built so that they could go play for a major college. Well, we had no major college players on my team. And so near the end of the year, we had one game and then a TBA, a, a game to be announced two weeks later. So we'd have an off season. And our AD was saying, I'll get that last game scheduled. We're working on a few things here. So we went up in the mountains and played a military school. Oh, my gosh. I had 21 guys suited out. That's all we get out of this school. So we didn't have enough for a complete offense and defense. Everybody played a little bit of everything. And our our average size guy was like 140 pounds. And we go in. <laughs> we, we get up there and park our bus. And we have to walk by the other team. There were 45 players on that team suited out. And... And we go down on our end of the field and, you know, our guys' eyes, and they're huge, you know, and our guys' eyes are bugging out of their head. 
And before the game starts, but it's a military school, they shoot a cannon. <laughs> and it's boom, you know, explodes and just intimidates us. First play of the game, our leading running back takes the ball, met at the line, and has his jaw broken. Oh, no. So they carry him off in an ambulance, and he ends up with his jaw <laughs> wired for three weeks. Now we're down to 20 guys. We go on defense. Our number two player is a great linebacker. On the first play, he has his knee torn up, and he's carted off. And now we're down to 19 players, and we've, we're like eight plays into the game or whatever. We get beat 48 to nothing, and they're shooting that cannon off so many times. And they had mercy on us somehow. We go home, oh, and it's like, all right, I got 19 guys left, and they're pretty beat up. Thank goodness we have an off week, and I'll find out from the co- you know, the AD. We're going to play some other, I'm hoping, <laughs> little private school like us somewhere that we have a chance at. And that next Monday I go in, and I'm sitting with the AD, and he said, I got that. I got the game schedule for you. He said, How'd you, you know, how you doing? You know, you guys, I said, man, they're going to need this week because we're down to 19 and I said I hope you have somebody comparable we can play with he goes well good news and bad news good news is we do have another game the bad news is we're playing the same team but they're coming to our stadium in two weeks and so I'm sitting there going this guy's crazy wow I've got 19 guys against 45 now they just beat it 48 to nothing and they they pulled their best players way in the game I'm going are you serious he looked at me and said I'm very serious he said I coach these guys in lacrosse they're tough they want this, and you can you can create some kind of a strategy and enthusiasm around this. We're playing them. I went, oh my gosh, I could quit. I could say no, we're not. I you know I didn't know what to do. I went home, thought about it, and um, and this is what I came up with: fun. You got you know. <laughs> are you serious? I knew this was this was the only way, and I had two weeks when to all prepare. Else fails. All else failed. <laughs> I knew this was what's going to do. And so I had this was you know several years way back when when the triple option was in Texas, and you know I, I was a triple option quarterback. And the cool thing about that, and the reason that it worked so well, is that you literally eliminated two of the other players on the team their best players, their defensive end and their linebacker, you made them look like fools and you you used your extra players to double up. And if you did it right, not only was it fun, you would exasperate these other players. So I knew this was a, you know, this is going to be crazy. But so I'll go to practice. Say, guys, we're playing the same team again and this is going to be fun. And here's what we're going to do. I taught them, these guys are bigger, so we're just going to tangle them up when you block around their ankles and their knees and I know that's not the way that we normally do football, so we're going to have fun. We're going to use physics on our side. We're going to have a blast. So we practice crab blocking and all this kind of stuff. I said, the second thing, we're running right at their two Division One guys that are going to play for major college next year. We're not going to block them. We're letting them loose. We're going to option off of them. If they come at us, we pitch the ball. If they go towards the pitch man, we run the ball. But that's the way the triple option works. And I begin to show them in slow motion how it works. And we had a really good quarterback in the second string tailback. And so we went off for two weeks. And I said, we're going to have two plays the entire game, option right or option left. And we're, wherever their defensive end lines up, everybody look, that's, we're going right at him. We're not running away from him. And we're going to exasperate him. And they got into this thing. And they, they practiced all this blocking where they didn't have to you know, physically get beat up. And we began to run this thing. 
The I'm curious, the, how many times did you have to tell them we're going to have fun before they started <laughs> to believe it? You know, I think they were relieved that that there was hope that um, that that this sort of thing was really fun, and it sort of made the other people look like fools. Even the even in practice, the you know the guys that knew what we were doing, it didn't matter because if they came at you, you pitched. If they came at the other guy, you kept it and you run. It was fascinating, and they loved it. And here's what happened. We were down six to nothing with one minute to go in the game. It worked like perfect. And the other thing the option does, it takes a lot of time off the clock. So they never got the ball. (laughs) So we're on the three-yard line about to score with one minute to go. And we had, because our guys were, you know, great soccer players, we had a kicker that could actually kick an extra point. So we were going to win seven to nothing. And with one minute to go, our option quarterback pitched it. We fumbled. They got it. We lose the game six to nothing. But in my lifetime to this day, that was the greatest victory I ever had with a group of young people or anybody, any team whatsoever. And we had this incredible celebration. And the other team's looking like, we won. But they're <laughs> celebrating. What is this all about? And it was all built around the concept of creating an idea that this game, you don't have to fear it. We're going to have fun. This, Every activity that they were going to do in the midst of the game was going to be fun because it was built to compete against a team that was bigger and stronger and faster. And they thought this was going to be great. And it was. It was an amazing time. Boy, in business, we probably need to think about this a little bit more. And that is, is that the emotional energy that comes out of employees and leaders that are having fun, that are motivated, that are passionate. That's pretty powerful. I'm going to take a little bit of a, maybe an odd take on this notion of fun. Uh, Because what I hear when I hear that story is innovation. Innovation in the world of our customers and emerging growth companies happens on a cliff's edge. It always happens on a cliff's edge. And sometimes under pressure, like they under were pressure. In two, other words, two weeks to go. Happens. Yeah. That's what happens. That's a great and point. What, what you see with entrepreneurs is that they are uniquely qualified. And this gets go back, it goes back to some of the issues around the willingness to be radically objective. Well, in the case here, there was no way they were going to compete on a football field in a traditional way. So what David did is what I see entrepreneurs do. They're at a crisis, under pressure, with very little time, they innovate. Now what's interesting is innovation is fun. It's fun for your employees, it's fun for your management. You have to take the risk of failure. They did have to get back out on that that field again and try it. They had to believe in it. But that is one of the singularly most important things that I see with entrepreneurs is that they get on a cliff's edge, they innovate, they get their team and employees to believe in that, and they go out and execute, and they win. I go back and think of, uh, we referred earlier, and I will later on in our series of uh, podcasts with Kirk Hawkins and Icon Aircraft. I mean, here we were literally fixing to finalize a prototype of an airplane and Kirk said it still stalls it's still an airplane there's still a danger there and and we're going to be driving this into a market of non-professional pilots 
we have to make a plane that can't stall. Nobody had ever created a plane that was that you can't stall. And so they innovated and they were hugely rewarded for that. And it was fun, but it takes uh, sometimes being on the cliff's edge to actually create these alternatives. And along the path of facing such crises, the entrepreneur or the leader uh, can fuel innovation with the right, kind of the right attitude that, hey, we're going to have fun doing this. We're under pressure, but you know what? We can innovate, we can have fun, and we're going to celebrate when we get there. There's a freedom that comes with no other alternative than trying something new. There is. And and there is, uh, that's where you get innovation. I wish I could, in my life and folks that I work with, that it didn't have to be in these enormously tough transitions or when you're in a corner. I can think of times that if you look at Insperity, which is a big aircraft carrier of a company now, there were times when it was bet the company decisions that Paul had to make uh, as an entrepreneur. You've seen that in sports where it was, I've got to do something completely different to win. It's like, I'm going to go ahead and hit a two iron out of these woods and bend it left and drop it on number 13 at Augusta. No, no, but they do it. I have a different definition of it in some respects, but effectively it's the same situation. That's great. Well, David, you've uh, taken us through the importance of focus and passion in regards to passion, looking at that, the key elements of ownership, accountability, incentive, and fun, along with uh, innovation, as, as Doug has added. Well, if you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking with you next time.